I get those goosebumps every time I just have to get the big fella off the bench Look at this be their last chance now And it comes Monson to the back of the road He scores I'm waiting on ya He's waiting on ya I get those goosebumps every time I need the hind to throw that to the side I get those goosebumps every time Yeah, when you're not around me Throw that to the side I get those goosebumps every time, yeah, 713 Could've played one, yeah, I'm riding Why they on me? Why they on me? I'm riding I'm sipping low key I'm sipping low key and Welcome back. Welcome back to a new year on Loaded Mag NUFC. Hope your Christmas has been going well. Hope you're not too hungover from last night. But Pete, how are you? Very well. Very well. A new year, new t-shirt. Got the old uh, training top on. I thought I'd save it. Got it for Christmas. But yeah, uh, fresh, fresh mindset into the new year. Uh, and what better way to start it with um, uh, Kieran Maguire coming and joining us. But um, yeah, n- nice and easy one for me. Um, uh, nice and chilled one with a fa- with a family last night. Played a few games with, with the daughter when the little one was in bed. Um, and yeah, uh, all good. Can't, can't complain. All good, all good. Chris, how are you? We didn't get to talk to you yet. How are you? Good, mate. Yeah, all good. Um, yeah, nice new year. Say, similar to Pete. Very quiet. Um so we were all we were all tucked in bed up in bed before New Year, um, which we've done the last few years. And then my daughter come running in at midnight, and a, a friend rang her on her iPad, so that she was up gabbing away. Um, but yeah, it was a nice, quiet New Year. Um, and yeah, like Pete, I'm looking really looking forward to 2024, and um, not just on the pitch, but also you know, personal life as well. I think it's going to be a good year, boys. I think it's going to be a really good year. So, yeah. And uh, great great to be on with you lads as well on New Year's Day. Lovely. Nice way to kick off the year. And obviously, we've got a, a little bit of a match going on at 8 o'clock. So, um, I'm all ready ready to go out. Um, so, yeah. I'm looking forward to having a few pints later and hopefully celebrating three points with any luck. Nice one. Nice one, Chris. Yeah, looking forward to that later. Um, yeah, like you... And I know it's 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 only four o'clock, but I'm a boring bastard as well. I was sitting in as well <laughs> on New Year's Eve. But I know one guy that 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 was out uh, ha- having cocktails, or he was making cocktails at home, apart according to his Twitter earlier. But he's also out walking the dog early this morning, so he's 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 uh, ready for what what's ahead. Let's bring him on. Let's bring on Kieran. Welcome back, Kieran McGuire. Thanks very much for the uh, invite and, and uh, happy New Year to to you and all of your listeners. Uh, yeah. Uh, my wife had a few cocktails last night. I don't drink, so so I make them, which is probably quite dangerous. <laughs> I've got no idea of the strength of alcohol. I just go, yeah, just pour it in. Um, so she, yeah, we, we went. I, I went down the beach this morning with the dog. Uh, she decided she was too hungover to to move. So she told me to get out of the house and don't come back for a few hours, <laughs> which, which I've done. So I'm, I'm in the good books at present. 
Fair enough. And I love I love the way Kieran you have the books strategically placed. Yeah, you, you had to run off and get one when I saw you on Sky one of the days, but there but it was it was funny. Uh, great great see, seeing that what what you do there and yeah you get called up on on at all hours and all days uh as we discussed before the show <laughs> especially at Christmas. But uh let, let, let's get straight into it because we know we don't have it for that that long a time. And um, Pete, I'm gonna hand over to you because I know that Look, we we put we'll give you some questions in in advance because we want to c- concentrate on the, the key questions first. So, Pete, do you want to go for that first question? Okay, but just just before that first question, I think it's really important because we were talking the the four of us just before we went live, and 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 Kieran, you were kind of giving us a little bit of a, a background on this. But just before we get to those sort of key questions, um, you know, we were kind of talking about the the, the kind of financial standing of Newcastle with regard to their their losses, their, their earnings over the last few years. Are you able to just give us just a, a brief um, kind of idea of, of where they were before we get what we assume to get sort of June 2023 with their like losses and earnings on the rest of that? What was it like the last couple of years? Just to give Newcastle fans a little bit of perspective on that. Yeah, great. Um if we if we just go back to what the rules say, um, you're allowed to lose fifteen million pounds over a three year period. If the owners put money into the club in the form of shares, you can increase those losses by a further ninety million. So this is where this figure of one hundred and five million uh, comes about. Yes, yeah, the one which tends to be discussed in the media. Excluded from those costs are anything to do with infrastructure. Newcastle, probably about £3 million a year in recent years, mainly a legacy of Mike Ashley. Um, the Academy, nobody knows how much it costs the Academy. Aston Villa, who, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I'd say they're the, they're the type of club you'd benchmark against Newcastle United. They, mm. They've got a Class 1 Academy. They claim to spend around about £14 million a year on theirs. So I think yeah, let, let's put that figure into the Newcastle calculations. Um, if you've got a women's team, yeah, and the Newcastle women's team has sort of come into the equation this year, that's not if, if it loses money, and most women's teams lose money, though those costs are excluded. If you've got community schemes and football club community schemes are absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, I don't know whether you've had some of the people from the Newcastle uh, scheme on, but they're absolutely magnificent in what they do. Those costs are excluded as well. Nice. So, so you have to make adjustments. Now, of course, we've had COVID as well. So what they did in, in those two COVID years, which were 2019-20 and 2020-21, is that they put the two years together and then they halved the losses, and then they said, well, you can make further adjustments in respect of COVID. We don't know how much uh, adjustments Newcastle have made. Now, I, I've put in I've put in a figure of, of 30 million a season for those. So, you know, based on my calculations, which are pretty rough and ready, and I'm, I'm just sort of looking at that, I'm just sort of staring at my spreadsheet now. This is, this is my eyes glaze over, I get, I get Probably get very excited by spreadsheets. Um, Newcastle probably had an FFP loss of uh, just over 50 million, perhaps 55 million in 2022. For the COVID period, it was probably a, a, a an FFP profit of somewhere in the region of 25 to 30. Um, and then we're going to throw into 
the equation what happened last season. And clearly Newcastle haven't published the accounts yet. I think it would have been a good year in terms of the revenue for Newcastle United. Not such a good year in terms of controlling costs. You know, the wage bill I'd expected to, to, to shoot up. Amortisation costs shoot up as well. Um, so I don't think that they were in a terrible position going into um, the start of 23-24. Uh, the downside is that the... Um, the COVID years, which are actually quite good from Newcastle's point of view, because you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you're you're over this far more than I am. Um, Mike Ashley ran a sustainable football club. He didn't run an exciting football club. He didn't run a football club which invested in infrastructure and the local community and so on. But from a pure financial point of view, um, that was quite good. And that's going to drop out of the the calculations um, in this season. So. I think Newcastle have to be a little bit cautious in 23-24 because I think they probably lost you know, around about 50 million in 2022. I think there's a chance that could go down a wee bit uh, in 2023 because you've got the new uh, the new sponsorship deals and so on. Uh, you've got more fans coming in who are willing to pay more and so on, better sales of merchandise. But... Uh, that means that there's there was not a lot of wiggle room. And of course, they did spend money as far as the summer 23 market was concerned. So yeah, it's where people say, well, let's focus on the on, on the uh, transfer spend. If you do that, you're ignoring the wages. You know, players coming in are not... Um, New, Newcastle are not paying the level of wages that they were paying under the Mike Ashley era. You know, the, the wage bill went up by around about 70%. So... Uh, in, in the first season under, under PIF and Amanda Stable. Interesting. So it's always always good to get that kind of that that little bit of a flavour um, of the finances uh, where we're at. So w would would you say obviously we, we know that that things have gone up in terms of expenditure. Would you say Newcastle are, are relatively healthy right now as a, as a as a club? That well, first of all, yeah, they're, they're relatively st say stable in the sense that they're going to be in existence because I've got a list of four or five clubs where I'm worried about, you know, ex their existential existence. Uh, you know, football, football clubs do tend to get uh, uh, resurrected at the last minute. And we've seen that uh, in, in many parts of the country, but, but Newcastle aren't on my danger list. So, so from that point of view, yes. Um, how close are they to that FFP limit? Um, they're not far away. They've, They've they've got to they've got to box clever, so you know could this mean shifting a couple of players out of the club that frees up expenditure expenditure. The downside is that Newcastle's wages are now okay they're not top six but they're certainly top ten, um, and probably probably top eight based on my calculations. Um, so where can you shift those players away to? Uh, because if if they've not performed to the to the levels that uh, Eddie Howe and the, the coaching team want, will they be willing to to take a pay cut? Will the club have to make some form of you know cash sacrifice if they leave? That has FFP implications as well. So yeah, are, are they that? I think they're run on on a pretty pretty good level. If, if you, certainly if you compare them to when uh, Abramovich acquired Chelsea and when Sheikh Mansour acquired Manchester City. 
the losses are far, far lower. But that's as a result of FFP. And remember, FFP is there to design not to have a sustainable football ecosystem. It's there to prevent another Chelsea or Manchester City arising. Yeah. Uh, there's been quite a few that have mentioned that actually quite recently. Um, it's been exactly that. Um, but look, we'll come to the come to the questions because the, there are a few key questions that we've, uh, as as a as a team, have kind of come up with, and we'll we'll ask you them sort of individually. But I'll just start with the first question at the back because this is, I think, what all Newcastle United fans really want to know um, going into the beginning of this month, and it, it's effectively, you know. Not necessarily how much Newcastle United can spend, but can Newcastle United spend in this January transfer window without sort of breaking um, financial fair play? Because um, there's a number of Newcastle fans that, that are adamant that we can't, that we haven't got the money. Um, Mark Douglas actually put a, um, an article two or three weeks ago out in the iPaper saying that, you know, there is room to manoeuvre. So there's a little bit of... Um, uh, a lot of bit of uh, fans being unsure of, of where we were able to navigate. So, uh, are you able to kind of shed any light on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know Mark well. Uh, we talk quite often. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for him. Um, I, I think the concern would be if Newcastle United sign a player for could they afford to sign a player for thirty million pounds on a five and a half year contract? Yes, they can. The danger is if that player is not the right player, you're then committing yourself realistically to paying that player wages of you know, 75, 80 grand a week for the next five and a half years. So if that player is not good or is, is not as good as some of the players who are presently out injured, you've then got a, a short term plug, but a long term legacy cost because you're going to have to go and pay him for the next five years, when that player is a squad player. Uh, and, and that means that going forwards, when it comes to signing players in the summer 2024 window, Newcastle United have got a, uh, have got yeah, one hand held behind their back. So there, there's a case for saying, would, that, would it make more sense to utilise the loan window sign the player for six months, again, pay them the, the 75 to 80 grand a week or whatever it's going to be, pay a loan fee, and then you can take a step back in the summer of 2024 and uh, look to see where the priorities are. Yeah. If, if you talk to any manager, if you talk to any director of football, yeah, they, they always want a bigger budget. Mm. Uh, it's just like we all want more. You know, if, if, if you or I had the, the choice of earning more money or less money, we'd all go, yeah, yeah I'd rather have a pay rise than a pay cut. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's perfectly natural um but it, it that that's not the way the world works and you know we all have limited resources financial resources now and and uh, you know the newcastle board i think that they've they've been incredibly professional to date and i don't and i think they want to maintain that structure um <clears throat> you know dan ashworth he's not a man you know he he's not going to die of laughing too much is he you know, Dan's Dan's a very serious individual, <laughs> and that's why he's been a success. It's been, I think, been a success for Newcastle. You're probably aware I'm a Brighton fan. He was certainly a success at Brighton, um, and he takes his job uh, very forensically seriously, and, and he doesn't want to commit the club to a long term uh, solution, which is dealing with a with a short term issue. <clears throat> Brilliant stuff. Um... 
No, great stuff. Uh, I think Newcastle fans will be happy that there is sort of money to be spent there from, from, from what you're saying. Um, I think, <coughs> boys, I'll let, you, I'll let you talk on this. Um, that I think we're we're all happy um, with the potential that we can, because I think we're all in agreement that we that we want to. I think we need to. I think I think we need to absolutely, Pete. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the thing, Caden. Like we're, we're, you know, we're all avid Newcastle United fans, and yeah. I suppose from a financial point of view, um, we're, we're looking at it. And yes, like you rightly say, we got the Champions League, and you know, we're really excited by that. We knew it would open some doors for us. However, um, the early exit was disappointing, um, and then that firmly shut, you know, the opportunity of any more money, certainly from Europe. Um, so that 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 was a disappointing thing, but the fact that you know there is an opportunity for us to spend money in January, much needed as well. By the way, you've probably you've probably seen our injury list, Kim. It's slowly okay. starting to improve, um, but we still feel there are some gaps to be plugged. Um, so that the you know the news that there is potential, um, certainly for us to spend if needed, is uh, is welcoming news. I think I think uh, I think the boys will all agree on that as well. Yeah, I, I think you're. You're in a strong position because you've not like being kids in a sweet shop, um, yeah. you know, let loose um, for the last 12 to 18 months. At, at the same time, um, you look at any football club, it generates revenue from three sources. Match day income will be up this season because you've got those three additional European matches to take into consideration. Commercial income is up because of the sailor deal, because of the noon deal, um, because the, the club is now able to monetize the relationship it has with the Middle Eastern fan base and, and Middle Eastern uh, commercial partners. Um, broadcast income is up on the back of a successful 22-23 and finishing in the top four. It's, remember, it's two and a half million pounds per position. Is the, uh, is, is the financial benefit. So all of those are, are huge positives. Will the wage bill have gone up on the back of it? Yes, but I, I think the revenue will have accelerated faster than the wages, which which gives some comfort because Newcastle, we're in a bit of a un, bit of an awkward position. You know, wages have gone to 90% of, of revenue. That's that's not good. You, you factor in transfers on top of that. That's that's not great either. Um, so yeah, I, I think there is, there is some flexibility. Um, Mbappe, you know, will he be seen in the big market over the course of the next four weeks? Possibly not. <laughs> before. <laughs> um, yeah, um, before we get to the, the second slash third question, maybe we just remind people as well, we've 224 people watching us live on, on New Year's Day. Thanks, thanks a million for, for coming and joining us and thanks for... for taking your, your time uh, away from your families to, to come listen to uh, us ramble on uh, about uh, all things financial in, in terms of Newcastle and the upcoming uh, January transfer window. So the second question, second, third question, Kieran, you kind of alluded uh, to uh, loans might be the, the, the way to go for, for us as well to try and save some money and then get us to the summer and, and kind of look at, the, look at the bigger picture then and see where we go. But uh, yeah, there was a, a lot of talk there about a certain vote that was happening uh, there uh, about a month or so before Christmas. And uh, yeah, and I suppose it's with associations, such affiliated clubs. clubs. So do you think, uh, uh, would you recommend for, for, for uh, do, do you think we will go down the, the, the Saudi route of uh, um, 
of us um, looking towards the, the PIF-owned uh, Saudi um, clubs? And it, would that be kind of a, a money saver for us? Is, is that something that you think would be viable? I don't think it will be a money saver, but it is an option which can be explored. The reason why I don't think it will be a money saver is that all transactions have to be assessed that they are being undertaken at fair market value. Um, so if there's a player playing in the Saudi Pro League who's on 300 grand a week and Newcastle will say, yeah, we'll sign him for the next six months and we're going to pay 10% of his wages, I think the Premier League would probably view that with a degree of scepticism. Um, but the, the, there's been successes and, and non-successes as far as... Um, the, the Saudi Pro League is concerned. I'm, you know, I'm sure you're aware that uh, you know Steven Gerrard and Jordan Henderson's team is playing in front of 600 fans a week. Um, it, it's losing huge amounts of money. Could could players from from some of the clubs therefore be be deemed to be surplus to requirements? Yes, yes, that can. Um, but I I think Newcastle again they, they've they're, they're playing three dimensional chess at present as far as the system is concerned. Um, and, and if I think if they they went and signed players on loan from from the Saudi Pro League, it would just result in a in a backlash, which wouldn't necessarily impact them as far as this transfer window is concerned, but it would certainly make things more difficult going forward. So um, I don't think it would be a good short term approach. There are certainly other players surplus to requirements. Um, and sometimes it could be in the interests of the lending club to allow that player to come to Newcastle United. So, you know, they, we all know that Calvin Phillips hasn't hasn't worked out at Manchester City. There's been talk about a seven and a half million pound loan fee. Um, that's certainly within the remit of what Newcastle United can afford because of the money that they've made from the Champions League. Is it in Newcastle's interests? Okay, is, is the player up to speed? Because he's not had many minutes, so yeah, that that's one issue. At the same time, we've got the FA Cup, we've got the winter break. You know, there is actually a time for, for players to, to reclaim those. Is it in Manchester City's interests? Well, he wouldn't be allowed to play against his, his parent club, but he would be allowed to play against Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, and other clubs in you know, uh, Villa in so Manchester City might do an assessment and say, Well, yeah, it, it's not worked out, but we still think he's a good player and if he could actually help Newcastle to pick up points against clubs that we're in competition with. So, you, you start to look at this thing through a, a, a series of different lenses, and um, I, I think the, the loan market does, does have options, um, as, as well as as well as the person if, if, if the player is right. Then, then you sign him. Um, the danger is, is is signing the player when he's just been seen as a stopgap until somebody returns from injury. And then I think, as Chris was saying, you know, the, the injury list is 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 going to improve come February. And I think that's the same. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs with huge numbers of injuries at present. Um, and for the sake of complete transparency, I, I work with the Professional Footballers Association. Yeah, you know, I. I, I listen to what they're saying in terms of, yeah, they are the players' trade union. And the players are saying, yeah, yeah, we, we're not denying that we're well paid. But whether you're paid 50 grand a week 
100 grand a week or 150 grand a week if you do if you do your cartilage you're out for three months and that players are playing there's no doubt that there's too much football taking place at present um, and that's contributing towards the the injury crisis and there's one at Newcastle United there's there's one at Spurs there's one at Manchester United my club Brighton we've got 10 players out um, as well and it's, it's great to play in Europe, but again, it's, it's Newcastle's first <clears throat> Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday routine. It's, it was exactly the same with Brighton with Sunday, Thursday, and, and the players just started dropping like flies. So it's, it's part of the learning curve for the club as well, because perhaps you need to be training the players slightly differently to take into consideration the additional strains on them uh, with a view to trying to make them uh more able to deal with the additional demands of European football on top of domestic league. Hmm. Just a reminder again to smash that like button uh, if you haven't done so already. But uh, there you are, Chris, on the button as Love always. It. Love it. Let's, let's lead into the next one, Chris. Good. Yes. So, Kieran, um, we also have a question around the impending sponsorship deal which well i say sponsorship deal it's the manufacturer deal that we've got with uh, adidas so as you know we're with castore at the moment and the adidas deal has been announced very early um mm. i think we were all we, we all knew it was coming but it was yeah. uh and it was announced very strange wasn't it because we we found out by the documentary which was released by accident um but yeah we've got we've got uh, the adidas deal coming up um in the in the summer and i suppose what what we wanted to know was you know how significant will this be for newcastle i think the castore deal was around six million a season whereas we're led to believe that the Adidas deal could be anywhere from 25 million upwards a season. And I suppose what, what we wanted to know was, um, you know, how significant will that be for Newcastle? And will that will that really um, put us up amongst the big boys in terms of spending power? You know, will we be able to utilise that money that we get from Adidas? And, you know, what will it look like transfer-wise? Well, um, if, if we take a look at some of the other deals, um, Adidas have just announced their new deal with Manchester United. That's ninety million pounds a season, um, and on top of that, you get a commission um, every time you sell the product. Now, Manchester United's commission is actually very low um, because, uh, and and I, I'm quite lucky. I, I, I'm sounding I'm sounding Billy Big Bollocks here, but I'm genuinely not. I'm, I, I get I get to have conversations with people at different parts of the industry. Um, I was talking to somebody very senior in the kit merchandising industry, and I, and I was saying, "How on earth can Adidas make any money on that?" And they say they're not—they're losing money. But it's—it's it's a bit like having a front of shirt deal. You know, you've got the Manchester United crest. Well, it's the same, I suspect. Um, if Newcastle become what we refer to as a tier one partner of Adidas, um, then I think the club will get a fixed fee, but but not a lot more than that. It will certainly assist the club. You know, 17 to 18 million pounds is, yeah, that's that's 350 grand in wages. So probably three players' wages, you know, ignoring transfer fees. Um, so it's 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 a step up uh, from, from where they are at present. It puts them behind Chelsea's 40 million, Liverpool's Liverpool's only 30 million, but Liverpool get a 25% commission or 20 to 25% commission on it on every piece of merchandise sold. Whereas 
Manchester United are probably on five or six percent. So, you know, you, you, you sort of do the Lego pieces together. Um, Spurs, again, 30 to 35. So Newcastle United are are on the coattails of the big six. They're not quite there yet. And the reason for that is that they've not had the same level of global exposure. They've not had the same um, repetition of participation in European football. But they they do have a new market which is attractive to adidas because the saudi arabian you know, saudi arabia's got a big population and it's got a young population and it's got a population with disposable income so you put all of those factors together um and you know that there's the opportunity now to uh make money on the back of that so i think i think they're in a in, in a better position than any of the other non big six clubs uh, and I think we'll start to see a bit of a gap appearing. And now, how well that money is spent, time will tell. That ninety million that Man United get does that include the Norwich scarves that come part of that? Maybe not. Maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> Don't add to that, Kieran. Couldn't possibly. <laughs> Don't add to that. <laughs> and yeah. Dad was always going to come in with that. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm, meeting, I'm meeting Manchester United wait. tomorrow, so I'm keeping my mouth shut. No, that's <laughs> a, good, a good plan for you. But um, it's really interesting you said that in terms of Newcastle United trying to build or, or will be kind of what the biggest in terms of um, how many, how much money it generates outside of the top six in comparison to the other sort of 13 other clubs in the Premier League. And I think that's really important because um, I was having a conversation with uh, a couple of other non-Newcastle United fans about this the other week. And this is, th this is the big thing for, for Newcastle United now is that we're a club that, um, yes, we played Champions League football this season. Yes, we didn't go through and we're disappointed about that. Um, and the season isn't where it, we wanted it to be or expected to be right now. But the one thing that I've always maintained, and it, it seems like that you're kind of on the same wavelength with this, Kieran, is that Newcastle United are building not just on the pitch, but off it as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the two together will bring us ever closer to that top six. I was looking at something probably in November and I, I wish I'd had it here. I don't have it to hand um, uh, to bring it up, but it was the um, it was Newcastle United's sort of um, sponsorships alongside Tottenham's, for example. Um, and there were some significant differences, in particular the the manufacturer, the kit manufacturer, yeah. which I think is theirs is around sort of like thirty million. Yeah, ours yeah. is around five or six, as Chris mentioned earlier. <clears throat> so going to that forty million with regards to Adidas, um, it, it, it bridges that gap. It, it's, it's a really good, like, figure to bridge the gap. But there's it's not the only one in there. Like, um, we, I think there's MGM as our official betting sponsor, have now come in um, with a multi-deal agreement. Um, off the back of that, I think there's Tomcat Tyres um, that have gone in with a, a multiple deal as well. Um, we had Fun88 as our kit sponsor. Now they're our betting sponsor. So they're still hanging on and they're still obviously bringing money into the club. And there's sleeve sponsors, all the rest of it. We are really going to town with all of these different sponsorships. Saudi as well as our official airline sponsor. So it, it does seem that we're building that. And it does seem like, although the other teams like Villa and Brighton are doing really, really well at the moment, 
it doesn't it doesn't seem and maybe you correct can correct me on this that they that, that Newcastle are doing something different because we're building in other areas not just on the pitch would you say that's right yeah, I, I think new, in all businesses, if you've got a competitive advantage, it doesn't matter whether that competitive advantage comes from, then you are duty bound to make the most of it. Now, you know, in terms of the close links with the with the Saudi um, government, the Saudi PIF, the Saudi commercial sponsors, Newcastle United are to a certain extent they're pushing against an open door. Um, I, I, I saw the negotiations between one of the, the gambling sponsors uh three or four years ago and it and it i won't name the sponsor but it effectively it went to everton it went to west brom it went to crystal palace it went to bournemouth it went to burnley it might have even gone to to newcastle united and it said uh, um we want to do a front of shirt deal and we don't we don't actually care about who the club is because we're aimed at the far eastern market and, and they'll they'll watch the stuff we're willing to pay six million pounds, and Everton said, "Well, we want eight. and West Brom said, "Well, we want seven. We'll, we'll, we'll go seven and a half. And what they did, they just went round and round the clubs until somebody said, "Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll take we'll take your offer." Yeah. Newcastle don't have that as an issue because they're able to, uh, to to leverage upon the relationship with the um, with with the owners and, and uh, companies, commercial partners based in in the Middle Eastern area. So I think I think that's that is a positive. Um, if, if you go back to what, 2008, um, when Manchester City were acquired by uh, Sheikh Mansour, uh, Newcastle and Newcastle had higher commercial revenues than Manchester City. Um, uh, and remember, they, they, they never went up during the, the Ashley regime, which I think was a, was a legitimate criticism. You know, but there's an emotional criticism of Mike Ashley. I think there's legitimate criticisms as well from, you know, from. And I try to be as non-partisan as I can uh, in relation to that. So, but if, if we then take a look at what's happened in twenty, well, the most recent set of accounts, New, Newcastle's most recent commercial income twenty-eight million, and it was higher than that of Manchester City's. Manchester City's most recent commercial income three hundred and three. It's <laughs> ten times that, um, and that's on the back of having the new owners. So. I absolutely understand why Newcastle United fans, we, we all want, you know, I, I want to lose four stone today, but it ain't going to, but it's going to take longer than a day. It's going to take longer than six months. Um, I think the long-term prospects are, are excellent. And if people are patient and if you have one season, yeah, Manchester, Manchester City had some so-so seasons at the start of their ownership. Um, if, if, if people are prepared to be patient, then, then it, you will start to see a, a steady increase uh, in such a thing. You know, we take the you know, the average position over a rolling five year period of time. That's only heading in one direction, and I think that's the way the club should be assessed, rather than an individual window, an individual season, and so on. Okay, um, Chris, I, I think uh, uh, if if we're okay and, and we've got time, Kieran, I think there's a couple of really good questions in there that's come from the chat uh, okay cool. got time to answer. yeah 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 let's, let's give let's give two shall we yeah, yeah. yeah. sounds good mate sounds good um okay so yeah uh leslie stapleton asks what's the difference between ffp and fsr and the, uh, are they both operating in unison right um fsr the financial and sustainability rules 
are UEFA's replacement for financial fair play. So financial fair play no longer exists. It hasn't existed in the Premier League for five or six seasons because that's been replaced by PSR, profitability and sustainability rules, so-called because they don't encourage you to be profitable and they don't encourage you to be sustainable. So, you know, there was... Um, what has happened is that the old rules that operated under UEFA allowed a club to lose 30 million euro over a rolling three-year period. And I think this is something which, this is actually a bigger issue for Newcastle United than the Premier League rules. Um, the, the FSR rules allow you to lose 60 million euro over that rolling three-year period. But in addition to that, there is a cap and that cap is wages plus agents fees plus your net transfer spend this season can be no more than 80% of revenue and for 24-25 it can be no more than 70%. So we have seen instances where clubs have been compliant and, and they've been well within the Premier League limits but they've been fined or subject to other sanctions from UEFA because they've been in excess of the UEFA limits. Wolverhampton Wanderers, the first season, they they were in the Premier League. They finished seventh. They went into the Europa Conference, and they ended up with sanctions from UEFA. So that's something which you have to bear in mind as well. I think all of the focus tends to be on the domestic issues, but the UEFA ones are probably more challenging. Great question. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then final question for you, Kevin. Um, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this one, but hate to ask the question, but here goes, and this is from Jimmy Watt. To get around the FFP problem, would Newcastle's best option be to sell a top, top player like Bruno Gomeres? Um <laughs> Is that improving the, the quality of the product on the pitch? Is that going to increase the number of points? Is that going to enhance your chances of getting into the Champions League this season. You know, we, we are dealing with, we're dealing with young men and their careers and we're talking about them as if they are pieces of inventory. They're pe we're treating them like merchandise. Um, we so, have to be ruthless though as well. That's our new well, New Year's resolution. Be more ruthless. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I prefer to be more nice. <laughs> because if, if you if you've got a happy club, you know, Manchester United have got, you know, they had the biggest wage bill in twenty two. They've got a squad which has cost just sub you know, just sub a billion pounds, but it's not a happy club. And that's reflected in, in uh if players feel that they are just being shifted around, you know, then and that's something that they'll bear. And and look, it, it, it's it's a nomadic career. You know, we're all aware of that. Um, I, I don't I, I don't think Bruno's your problem. I think Bruno's the type of player you'd be you'd be striving to. I'd be offering him a new contract. You know, I'm, I'm speaking as a Brighton fan. I think he's a brilliant player. Yeah. So yeah, he is. You're in, in in solving one problem, you're creating another because you're weakening the overall strength of the squad. <laughs> Um, but that's that's a football question. You know, I'm ultimately I, I know nothing about football. I can just about I can add up. That's that's my area. I suppose I suppose what 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 uh, I think Jimmy's getting at, um, Kevin, is that say for example we were to sell a Bruno for say a hundred million. Yeah. That hundred million then over the period of time that then allows us to then go and buy 
three or four new blue nose because mm. if you spread it out over the FFP, yeah. you know, life yeah. time, if you like. But I, I do take your point. Yeah, well, well, point look at okay. Point I, I think that's a fair play. For, yeah, um, look at Aston Villa and Jack Grealish. Yeah, and they sold him two seasons. Look at where Aston Villa are now. They are playing brilliant football. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I so, and, and Brighton haven't done too badly having signed sold Kai Shado, yeah, uh, for 115 yeah. million. And yeah. you know, uh, and, and I've got I've got friends who are Chelsea fans, and and I only spend the first 10 minutes of every time I'm seeing them laughing. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we, we uh, um, also Kieran, we would love to take Evan Ferguson off you to stop and scoring hat tricks against us. So if that deal is possible, <laughs> just just shout. He's he's off the boil. He's he's yeah, he's, I know, uh, yeah. He's he's very much sort of third choice striker now. He needs a move. He's a move. <laughs> Maybe a loan move in January. You might <laughs> loan move. There you yeah, go. Loan. <laughs> he's, he's just signed a new contract till twenty twenty nine. Oh. Yeah. Mm. with a nice release clause. Um, no, no release clause. No release clause. <laughs> oh, no release clause. Big, big pay rise. No release clause. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. But there, there are all your questions, guys. Um, Kieran, I, I know that you um, obviously your time is very, very precious, and we massively thank you for thank coming you on and joining us. It's an absolute pleasure. I think it's your third or fourth time now on the channel, and um, we'll definitely look to get you back on again. Um, uh, as we approach the summer window and see where we're at, um, well, we'll come up and do a live show in Newcastle when Brighton play there. If if I, if, I, if my wife let me go, like let lets me go, so <laughs> yeah. we can go as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. But look, we'll, we'll let you go um, at this point. Massive, massive thanks uh, for joining us and them. And look, we'll we'll be, we'll be in touch. Uh, and and best of luck. Uh, rest of the season for Brighton. Um, hopefully, we stay a little bit ahead of you, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. No, we're we're focus. I think our focus is on on Europe and uh, waiting. Waiting. The twenty. Every Brighton fan, you know, we, we've got the date of the draw. We know that the, the the second match is at home, so that's booked. And it's uh, I've got seven or seven or eight different European flights on on TripAdvisor already. Sort of <laughs> ready, ready to go, as, as as you have just done, you know. And it, it's it, it is a dream come true to go to, to the opportunity to play those clubs and to go to yeah. those places. And no, definitely, that's what we should, that's that's what we fall in love with football for. So, definitely, good luck to you guys for the rest of the season as well. Excellent, thanks, Kieran. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you now. Happy New Year bye -bye. again. Take Happy care. Year. All the best. Bye bye. Brilliant bye -bye. stuff. Brilliant to have uh, Kieran on. Um, great guest um, and, and lads this is this is why we, we, we did this show everyone that's watching 300 plus been watching the show thank you for joining us um, this is why we did it we ask we, we ask these questions and um, there's been lots of conversation and lots of filming and throwing within the fan base on social media in general you know do we have money to spend what is the financial situation at Newcastle obviously of course Kieran Maguire can't give us all the finer details um, as part of his role, but he's given us a flavour um, here on this show today um, about where Newcastle are at. And uh, you feeling a bit more confident about us maybe putting a couple out of the bag in the window, boys? What what, what are we thinking now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, yeah, loans will play, will play um, more of a factor, right? But... Um, yeah, no, uh, looking forward to, to the next 
31 days of, of transfer talk in fully loaded transfer shows uh, and some reaction shows to signings as well. So, yeah, I can't wait for that. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're not messing around because um, we're, we're, we've got a full loaded transfer show ready to rock and roll this week. Um, yes, we yeah, let's let's tell people what, what is coming because this we have we have a number of shows uh, lined up. So first off, being as Chris alluded to as well, there's a big match tonight. So uh, there's going to be your reaction show, and that's pencil in for tomorrow. Uh, reaction show. God, I know you're ahead now, Chris. But if if we were to happen to win that, uh, we might even jump on tonight yet. But uh, it's oh, we're tomorrow. We're, we're tomorrow uh, for that one uh, as as things stand. Also, then on, on Wednesdays, as Pete, uh, Pete said, and I'm no poster ready for this yet because there'll be chopping and changing between now and then. Uh, we will be back with the fully loaded transfer show, and we will be talking all the latest and greatest uh, in the rumors front. There, you, uh, everyone enjoys that. And then on Thursday, Pete, this is this is a big one leading into the game on on next Saturday at at twelve uh, forty five, I think, in the the Stadium of Light. But uh, to to warm us up for that on Thursday, what's happening? Well, um, we, we only get the best on away days on our match previews. And uh, look, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome um, Sky Sports' own um, Tom White. Uh, Sunderland fan Tom White from Sky Sports is coming to join us on um, on our away days. So he is our opposition fan uh, to talk all things Sunderland Newcastle. It's going to be... It's going to be a good one. It really is because he is not going to hold back as a Sunderland fan. And look, we're not going to hold back as Newcastle United fans either. So uh, I think we're going to be going toe-to-toe with uh, with, uh, with with Tom White. But um, look, he's, he's really looking forward to coming on the channel. Really looking forward to talking about the game. Um, he's buzzing about it. He's been talking about it on Sky Sports today. And calling out our very own Mr. Pete Graves. So look, um, uh, he won't have that, and neither will we. So uh, we'll be we'll be on that one Thursday. That's for sure. Looking forward to it. Great to have Tom on unloaded. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it so far. We have more planned for for the, the week's head. But yeah, let's keep it that for now. It gave a little bit at a time, but. Uh, that is really it, I suppose. Um, we, 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 let's let's round up the, the show and say uh, thanks everyone for joining again. H- Happy New Year to you! Uh, enjoy any remaining days you have off before it's back to the grind of of work and school and college and everything else. Uh, but uh, and best of luck tonight, Chris. Uh, uh, you're out for the game in in uh, Liverpool tonight, so uh, oh, let's hope you're coming just, home with a big smile on your face. Do you know what, Daz? Honestly, like. Yeah, it it means a lot tonight. Like I'm I'm going out with uh, with my mate who obviously I've I've known for many many years now, and the amount of times I've gone out to watch the game with him and I've come home disappointed is just like ridiculous. So if I'm out with him tonight, and and you know we we score like you know in the in the last game you know where we got beat two one, we're in the middle of a pub in the, right in the middle of the city centre. Newcastle scores. I was the only person in the whole pub, and I said to myself before the game, I was like, don't make a scene. Don't go mad because, you know, there could be someone in there who's like a lunatic. Soon, soon as Anthony Gordon buried, I literally sprinted across the thing just going like that. I'm like that in the pub. Pausing, <laughs> pausing. And I can see everyone staring at me thinking, why is this fella so made up Newcastle? So I think because the danger is as well, I worry in case they think I'm a blue and I'm just like doing it just to piss them oh, off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mate, honestly, if we win tonight, hey, if you do a live, I might end up coming on. I'm going to be that 
I was ah. going to say, from a Liverpool, what better than from live from a Liverpool phone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, give it an A, give it an A. Oh, mate. Uh, we could only be yes. I'd love it, I'd love it. And if you haven't watched away days yet, uh, go go check it out oh. with Earl. Uh, just in the middle of the yeah, yeah, still have a bit of time before kickoff to, to, to get that in. Uh, a great, great show with Earl. Uh, uh, that was to recorded there a few, just a few days ago. Yeah, I, I was going to say, that boy, what's that? Scott, Scott from Vegas, love that. Yeah, oh, welcome, Scott. Yeah, Scott's been on before. We should we talk to Scott before? before yeah. Yeah, 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 must have missed it. Must have missed it. We, 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 we're planning a trip to, to go visit Scott. <laughs> oh, stay with Scott I think. Yeah. <laughs> goes without saying. Goes without saying. Imagine that. Um, Loaded boys in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we'd have homes to go back to. Yeah. No. No. I, I think the last definitely there. want to come on that one. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. But yeah. Just before we go, the, the great thing about this show with Kieran Maguire on and talking about all these things, um, finances, Newcastle United, is that you know as soon as as soon as Kieran Maguire said, "Yep." Yeah, if they want to, there's money there to be spent. All the list of players that everyone <laughs> that in the chat. Him. Nah, he's, he's shit. Get him. Instead, why don't we get him? Hey, transfer windows open. This is what we love. <laughs> Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. Love it. Love Look, it. Enjoy the match tonight, everyone. We will chat to you very soon. How'd you like that? Good luck, everyone. Drink it.